first of all, I'll stop teaching completely. I'll eliminate the educational aspect because sales, the interesting thing that these rules are unsentimental. They don't care about what I feel. They're just there. They're insensitive. They're principles. When you teach, you activate a thinking mind. But the person who buys is not a thinking mind. So when you're teaching your emails or your sales copy, it's really self-sabotage because you don't need them to think. You need to eliminate thinking as much as possible. Welcome to another episode of Hype Fury Presents. In this episode, I talk to Waju. Waju is a Nigerian prince who never screwed over any Western. He fled his country and has had a stutter all his life. That's how he discovered the written word. He slapped me on Twitter after I celebrated our 20k MRR milestone and said, give me an email list in five weeks and I'll quote unquote impregnate that bitch. Referring to Braun, of course, from Game of Thrones. Now, I told him to put his emails where his mouth is and DM me. He had the balls to do it, and now I'm talking to this Nigerian prince with 41 followers on Twitter. In this episode, you'll hear some great insights on how to sell things on your email list, and you'll hear a lot of interesting stories from Waju. My name is Unique, co-founder of Hive Fury, and I hope you enjoy the show. Here was I, all excited about getting to 20k MR, and there you are, being all Game of Thrones, Braun, saying, give me an email list for five weeks and I'll impregnate that bitch. And now here we are talking to each other. We just had a brief conversation before. Yeah, tell the audience a little bit, you know, what you do, where you're from, a little bit of your background. I guess actually it's my, it's my worst pickup line, saying, I'm an Nigerian prince. Did you get my email? (laughs) (laughs) It worked with me. (laughs) Yeah, because, um, you know, Nigerian prince, what they're known for. And um, I always like to address, to you know, get that out of the way when meeting people so they don't have any misgivings. And I clear my conscience about it. I'm not the one who sent the email everywhere. So, yeah, I'm from Nigeria. I fled my country to the States about two years ago because I loved how people could call out President Trump and not get shot or arrested for, you know, telling the president to shut up. You can't do that where I'm from. Mm-hmm. So I actually was um, one of the people who were targeted because writing has been my skill. It's my, my first, first time I had to get out, I, I had to write something because I had a horrible start of growing up that um, hamstrung all communication. I mean, I was the quiet guy in the class who had no friends and stuff. But along the line, I just found it much more easier to communicate through writing. And I remember my dad's a surgeon. He wanted me to go study medicine. And I remember I couldn't tell him face to face. I had to write him a letter telling him why I didn't love him enough to do that. I mean, to sacrifice my whole life studying what he wanted. And he got so mad. And that's how I started thinking, oh, that means my writing is effective. You know, because he was mad that I had to write it to him, but I knew if I had to talk, I would stutter, I wouldn't be able to get my point across. And that's how I began to take writing seriously. I I got into poetry. Uh, I think 2001, I was nominated International Poet of the Year. But you know, poetry doesn't really, you just have to write and hope. Then um, I discovered copywriting. You don't have to just write and hope someone discovers you, you can arrange your words. I mean, you can have a facility of words out there to get the exact response that you want from people. 
And uh, on the lighter note, I mean, a lot of my country folk were using this for scams, which I didn't really have the balls for. There's something about me personally, I probably don't want to inherit a fortune from my parents. I like what I kill. I don't want to scam someone and then celebrate it like I achieved something. So I discovered people like um, Dan Kennedy, Dan Sullivan, as far back as 2002, and I began studying them. So it, it's, it's worked so far. I mean, <laughs> of course it takes, you know, that verb, um, you have to have some spark to your writing and stuff, and it worked for me so far. Yeah. And so after you send that note to your dad saying, I'm not going to study what you want me to study, you started, you know, your copywriting journey. Why did it click then? Why did you, you know, choose that path? I think I was um, 18 then, and up to that time in my life, I was pretty much used to being ignored by everybody. I mean, everybody. I mean, nobody really wanted to hang around this guy who doesn't talk. My only superpower probably in my elementary school was that I had a great memory. So I always did well in class, but I was socially impotent. <laughs> I was socially impotent. I mean, nobody really. Then when I got to high school, I was alone for six, like I was just literally on my own and nobody really wanted to roll around me. So I was like, oh, okay. So I knew that I needed some form of power in the world. I mean, I needed a leverage because no one cared how smart I was in class. No one cared. I got bullied, like all those things happened to me. So I knew that I needed some form of power to communicate, especially with my parents, because at the time I, stopped, I wrote that letter, it doesn't end there, I fled from home. <laughs> because he told me if I didn't go study to be a doctor, then I should go take care of myself. So I fled from home for like um, some months until I started starving. Then I came back home. I actually eventually went to study medicine and then I got kicked out. And that's when I swore. By the time I got kicked out from medical school, you know, I swore. He wanted me to try again and I knew it wasn't going to happen. And I swore to myself, like, by the time these colleagues of mine were becoming full doctors, that I'll be richer than anything. That's what gave me the. I need had I had to make something happen. I really had to make something happen. Yeah. And back in school, you were already good at the written word. That's also why you chose poetry. Yeah. By then, when I fled from home, I had a bit of um, peer pressure groups and trying to feel trying to fit into the social culture of um, you know living crazy lifestyle in college. And um, I used to do weed back then. That was a long time ago. And um, it turns out, whenever I did that, I, I just got crazy with words. I mean, these things began to flow in my head, and I put pain to people. Then someone told me about the competition. Um, just my first try. I was tempted also to maybe lift a poem, but I said, no, I like to win. And that was my very, very first one that I put down. And like three months later, I got a mail. I got a mail, the invitation and everything like that. And this is something. So it's told me that I had this value inside. But at that time, I think I was still getting some pocket money from home. I didn't really have the pressure to take it on because when you have something coming in that you didn't really work for them. So 
by the time I was kicked out of medical school and dad told me he wanted me to go back to take the exam again, that was when I, I knew that I, had to, I needed a system for determining what I wanted out of life. And ultimately, it led me along that journey. I, I remember writing. It was very hard for me to write some, something on paper that would be ignored. But if I wanted to speak, I don't think I'm much more, I have much person, I'm a person of presence <laughs> as such. But I noticed that when I write, and then when I was kicked out of medicine, I was in biochemistry, I remember, and they wanted me to, I didn't enjoy it because I was done with the sciences. I didn't care for what degree. And so I was trans a lot of times and I missed classes. So when it was time for the exams, really didn't study. I wasn't in class, but I just believed, give me a word. That was my, that was my belief for that period of my life. Give me one word and I'll write up a storm. So I listened to people whispering during the exams. And once I heard a word, I didn't know what, what the, the question was about. I didn't know the answer, but I knew how to write two pages of content from the question, even if I didn't know what the answer was. So it helped me eventually I passed. <laughs> how long was this ago? And, and when did you transition towards like email marketing? This was between 2000 and I, I got kicked out of uh, medicine in 2003, 2002, 2003. Yeah, I know I look young. So um, then around that uh, 2002, 2003, yeah, I was in biochemistry. Then I spent a total of 10 years in university, just basically finding myself, trying to graduate from at least one course because, because my urge then was, I was out of the crazy lifestyle I was living, the drinking and weed and acting all, all tough and bouts of depression. I was out of it. I came to a new place in myself as a, as a, as a, as a Christian and, you know, just some kind of stability and change of my social circle and it was harder i mean if you can do crime in nigeria you basically you don't even have anything going for you so around that period it gave me the time then i didn't have a social life any longer again so it also gave me time to kind of study to read books i mean yeah i think i read a ton of stuff during that period but basically I think I got into, by 2007, I discovered um, trading currencies online. That's the Forex thing. I think it had to do with this ADHD thing that I had. So I learned how to, see, I could just take a look at the charts and see what was happening. I didn't have the capital. So I did something I call zero capital, which is basically how I can start practically any business in the world without capital. I even have an ebook on it somewhere on the internet, you know. And I got people to invest in it. I got people who invested their own money. My job was to tell them where to invest it. And so the first year, that was 2007, they got results from it. And the first person who made a ton of money came called me and said, what do you want? I said, I'm just happy that you have the results. Then he said, what do I want? That was how I got a brand new computer system. The business went on from there. So. Now, I still hadn't taken my writing seriously. Then I had a horrible marriage that opened my eyes. 
you know. I know that sounds crazy, you know, because all the years before, I wasn't really talking to anybody. Good times. Yeah, but I had the money then, so I got married and business went down. Of course, she dumped my ass, <laughs> you know. That was when I kind of hit rock bottom and I knew that I had to. By the time my business crashed, I had employees, I had everybody, but when it crashed, I lost everything. I lost my home, my, my wife, my son. I had to take a job, which I hated doing. I mean, that's the most frustrating thing on earth for me because I don't like routine. I like to sleep when I want and wake up when I, I mean, once you fit me in a box, my performance reduces. So I hated it and I couldn't wait to get off it. That was when I think I discovered, when I first saw your name, I, Yannick Silver is a guy that was on the internet about that time. That was when Gary V was still Gary V. He was still the internet guy, the coach. And these guys were, I bought lots and lots of these courses because I just wanted to get up the treadmill, the hamster wheel. Then one day I just sat back and like, wait, why do you just keep buying this stuff? And I really wasn't implementing, but I was buying. So it means these guys have a way of putting the words that make you always want to yell like that bitch and yell like, you know. And I got a pen and paper and I began to write out all these sales pages by myself. I mean, word for word. I didn't use it to sell anything. I just wrote it. I wanted to immerse myself in the sales page system. So every one of these guys I bought their programs, I got a pen and paper and wrote out the sales pages and began to check it from not from a customer or prospect point of view, like, so this is what got me, you know, and I've always been the person who loves to write. And that's how I literally wrote thousands of sales letters, you know, and emails and stuff. I think I got bored with the sales letter. Because it was and you wrote the sales letters for the landing pages that like for the courses you bought? Yeah, I just wanted to like try, it's like seeing it going, like this is the thing, you know, trying it. Okay, so this is how it works. They just have to put these words on paper technically and they're making millions of dollars. Just words. This is what I've been looking for all my life. And I literally got lost in it. I took a deep dive and I've never looked back. I discovered later that the email aspect was the most powerful part of it. You know, as long as you keep building your list, as long as that list keeps growing and you keep mailing them at least once a day. And so you have a lot of interesting days. You have a lot of interesting things to say. Yeah. I, you know, I've had people, I had someone send me a message once, I think, not just once, but a lot of people do that once in a while. And they're like, you send mails every day. Don't you think that's too much? Don't you think you're going to offend your audience? And the last guy who did that is a friend who, personally, I felt that he should be doing a lot more than he's doing. You know? And I said, okay, you know what? Send me a screenshot of your income for last week, and I'll show you mine. I'm offending people, but you are, you're you not hurting anyone's feelings. You're sending mails three times a week, sometimes once a week. Let's see the results. You know, I'm the one offending them, and people are unsubscribing, yes. But really, the point that I discovered is that 
Indifference is the enemy when it comes to marketing. It's not hate. Indifference. The opposite of, of love in marketing. Love that makes people stick to your product and buy even things they don't need just because they love you. The opposite of that love is indifference. It's not hate. As a matter of fact, the job of you, your, your job as a marketer is to get people to decide, is to eliminate that middle ground of indifference. I'd rather be hated than be ignored. That's, that's it. So I work with that. And if anyone hates me, there was an event I had, um, a live event before I left, my, um, before I left Nigeria. That was 2018 December. I called it the Salescraft Live. And people came from all over the country. There was a lady who had an infant. She just had a baby, two months old. And she dumped, you know, at the event, I was giving the mic to everyone, tell me where they're here, what they're doing here. And um, when it got to her turn, I asked her, so why are you here? And would you believe it? She said, because I hate you. (laughs) (laughs) Why? You know, and... um, she said, because your emails are so arrogant. And I came here just to see who this guy is. This, this lady practically dumps her baby, her two-month-old baby, in another state, and jumps on a plane, flies down in the early hours of the morning to be at my event, pays for the event. And she tells me because she fucking hates me. Like, okay, and you, but you paid, right? So yes, okay, good. Thank you for the hate. That's what I've discovered marketing is. The enemy is indifference. So if people, when I was on Facebook, I got kicked off Facebook last year. It hurt me so bad. I couldn't get back in. You were too much Nigerian prince. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I did really push the contrarian angle on Facebook. And um, I got kicked off in 2019, December. And while I was there, I, you know, so many people who come up with the don't offend anybody angle, the no like trust that people like to talk about, no like trust, you have to make your money. It doesn't work like that. If I have a gun to your head in a dark alley, you don't need to know me or like me or trust me to do what I want you to do. And that's what copy should be. This is my balance of it. I saw a lot of guys in Nigeria. You know, when I quit my job, I decided to focus on my business because I saw the job was, I was being paid peanuts, but it wasn't enough. I mean, it still was sabotaging my business because I knew something was coming at the end of the month. So when I quit my job and, you know, I was trying to grow everything from scratch and uh, I just had my daughter about the same time. A lot of complications came because I got married again. So um, I used to meet guys, a lot of these so-called Nigerian princes. That's why I like to say I'm the real one. I met a lot of these guys who, these guys had made lots of money. I mean, there are some who had made millions of dollars from scamming others. And I knew some of them. And would be like, they were telling me that you're so smart. Why don't you do, do this thing? You make a lot more money than all of us. And maybe we were at the bar. And I'd be like, okay, 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 okay. But the next morning, I'm like, no, I can't do this. I don't have the balls for this. I don't have the heart to hurt someone. People lose their homes. Who gets scammed in 
in the US lose their homes, lose their property. I can't live with wealth I made by hurting. I can't. I mean, I'd rather put a gun to my head, which is impossible also. Let's run a little bit through the first time you created like an email campaign for somebody else. How did that go? How did you reach out to that person? And, you know, what did you set up? And, and want us to a little bit of the results. Okay. I believe in pool marketing, not just pushing my stuff out there. I believe in, there's a friend of mine, I like to give this analogy. There's a friend of mine from, we had this mandatory one-year service, like paramilitary service in, in the country. There's a friend I met there, and he used to say something, that he said he doesn't chase girls, that he's like a boa constrictor, that he lies in wait. He positions himself and they come. And practically the same is what I've been applying to my marketing because I don't believe in chasing cost, chasing clients. A depressing experience for me. Um, doing the agency thing. No, I'd rather just lay my lines, position myself, and um, not be desperate. I think the first person I did email marketing for, he was my only friend in the university who had the inclination for enterprise, who wasn't talking about getting a job. But he had a job, and he had this side business for um, wellness products. Then that he was just doing the normal thing of posting on social media. And I, we, we got back in touch after some years, and then I said, let me do this for you. You know, like, do you know you, you, you're, you're going to kill your brand by doing this all the time? And he said, what do I have in mind? And I said, okay, let's do one, two, three things and build a list. That's all we need to do. Just build, build, build a list. And run through those specifics. What was one, two, three? Yeah, it's basically build a list. Call out the, the indifferent people. I mean, the idea is to position as my stuff works. And really, I don't give a damn if you, if you see it or not. It's your misery, but I'll keep explaining to you that this is your problem, whether you see it or not. I cannot afford to be desperate for clients. The moment I have that desperation, even if I'm starving, when I have the desperation, people smell it. It's metaphysical. People perceive it, and then they either lowball you or just completely ignore you. And when you, are, you get a lowball offer for your, for your services or your products, then it kills your morale affects the business. So it's important to have, to be outrageously confident about the skill in the communication that, look, this is the holy grail. You don't have to see it, you don't have to agree, but this guy got these results and this other guy who is ignoring me, his life is so miserable right now. This is the mistake he's making. If you're making that mistake, you're going to be miserable too, you know. So that's basically how I do it. I don't sell. Can you like give an example of a product you promoted or you did email marketing for and how, how you did that? Yeah, I, for someone or for myself? Whatever. Like, I worked with um, this guy in Commission Hero. Within the first 30 days, I mean, I got invited to his um, podcast like this, to an interview with him because I started from scratch and I took the business. I mean, I wasn't even using email marketing there or just running ads. And I think I did like 12 to 15 grand in 30 days. 
And I got to 1,000 per day revenue in 25 days. Yeah. And it's um, this same thing in difference. You, you must be willing to walk on the... It's like you have to walk the narrow path on the edge of a knife. A lot of people... I'm sorry, but that guy, he, was he, uh, did he have a program on Commission Hero, which is like an affiliate program, or was he like the owner of Commission Hero? Yeah, he's the owner of Commission Hero. He was the number one affiliate on ClickBank. I'm not sure what, who he, I think he still is, you know, and um, he was shocked because I just literally came out of nowhere and nobody knew me and who is this guy who just comes here? He's not asking questions, too many questions and boom, I mean, in 25 days, I think I did. I, that was December 2019. I started the program, and by Christmas Day, I hit 1,800 in one day. You know, just words. What were the first changes you made? What did you do? How did the emails look like? I checked out what people were doing. I looked at what people were doing, and I got a feel. I knew I cannot sound like everybody else. I can't sound like everybody else. I have to leave a taste, as it were. I'm a, more like an acquired taste. A lot of these guys who started um, before me, they got results early, but they tapered off. But for some of us, we're like acquired taste, which means that it's a snowball effect. That was how I would move from $20 the first day to 1800 bucks on the 25th day and on and on from there. And every day you send an email and was it like a trip campaign or like just every day a unique story to, you know, just get get the indifferent people? For my warm-ups, welcome series, I get people, I normally have a drip campaign, like maybe 10-day automation, which I don't really like because I like to be in the moment in my emails. I like to be like, um, I mean, email marketing is easy when we really look at it because just like uh, Trump says something or the guy with the blood in his Nike shoes or the stimulus information, when the stimulus was being paid early this year, I was able to like, hey, you're going to regret collecting this stimulus. And people are going to respond to it because it is in the moment. So I really prefer mailing daily. I mean, there are times I mail up to four times a day when, I'm, when there's scarcity involved, up to four times. Maybe we're running a promo, or we're running a promotion and trying to price, we're going to have to hike the price by Monday. Saturday and Sunday, I send four emails. Of course, drives a lot of people crazy. Like, don't mail me again. Stop mailing me. Get me off your list. I'm like, you hit the button. You got here yourself. You know, I think on the average, I like to mail twice a day because especially at the beginning, you want to be, it's an addiction. It's just like the sound of Netflix. <laughs> but for, for you, you're annoying too many people. No. No? The people I'm annoying. You're creating your own, your own Netflix series in email? Yeah, because the sound of Netflix, I'm sure if there's a Netflix junkie, if they heard that sound, maybe even if they were half dead, something, it, it could raise some people from the dead. Just like, okay, I'm alive, you know. And that's what email should do. There are days that maybe for some reason I didn't mail or I didn't mail on time. There are people who wrote me like, I've not heard from you today. That's the same person that someone else is going to say, I'm going to find you and I'm going to shoot you. <laughs> That's true. Hey, so now let's say 
we hire you, Hyperior hires you. What would you do? So right now we have a pretty basic setup. Uh, we have a couple of like entries and how people get onto our email list. And we have an opt-in on our website and certain high traffic pages. People who download our free course get also funneled into the email marketing. We have like a, it's like a, a drip campaign for a couple of days where we just basically give a lot of, you know, information on, you know, how to grow your Twitter. And we do a couple of soft sells in there. And that's basically it. And what we also do is like once a month, we send like the growth notes. So that's basically a pretty big, extensive email we send with, you know, stuff from last month, really growth tips, pretty actionable stuff. And, you know, that gets read pretty well. So how would you, you know, change that up? What would you do? And how would you funnel people towards the app or towards, you know, like our, our, our paid downloads? First of all, I'll stop teaching completely. I'll eliminate the educational aspect because sales, the interesting thing that these rules are unsentimental. They don't care about what I feel. They're just there. They're insensitive. They're principles. When you teach, you activate a thinking mind. But the person who buys is not a thinking mind. So when you're teaching your emails or your sales copy, it's really self-sabotage because you don't need them to think. You need to eliminate thinking as much as possible. The rules are just as blunt as that. If you educate them, you're not going to get it. You're going to be killing themselves. You want to inspire. You want to eliminate thinking to the point when you get them to your CTA, it's a hypnotic command. They're in this funk, in this... So, But when you teach, you're only going to get your friends. But if you want the good, the bad, and the ugly, you want to squeeze the market for what it's worth, then you need to create that the lady who jumps on the stage while uh, Michael Jackson is singing and swoons, you know, and faints and doesn't want We need to create that hypnotic frenzy, that orgasmic um, fish, the lemon thing, I don't know, but eliminate thinking. And the way you do that is to abolish education. You don't teach anything. So from, there's an e-book I tried to write many years ago. I didn't understand Twitter then, but who cares? You know, I was just doing my research and then creating knowledge out of what I discovered. And um, I called it, I said, it's a name I would give to a lead magnet for Hype Fury. I would call it um, Tweet and Grow Rich. You know, it's going to be a viral name and something you, you um, from Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill. Tweet and Grow Rich, it's magnetic. It has a hook. It's going to stay in the brain. And even if someone sees you and is distracted, he's going to want, oh, I want to get this Twitter thing. There's a book, Twitter and Grow Rich. It's a sticky name. It's a sticky title. And from there, we just get them into the well, whirlpool of males, males that tease, irritate, annoy, inspire, you know, vulnerability emails. I do have a book on email marketing that I don't, I'm not trying to pitch my stuff here. <laughs> um, I'm releasing, I launched it last year, but we're relaunching it this year now. I call it um, email sorcery, basically how I do it. And um, that's one of the things I, I talk about inside. There's also another thing that I focus on because how the leads come in, the impression that a lead has once they enter your funnel is very, very important. I mean, they don't want to think that they're doing me a favor by coming and joining my list. They don't want to think 
there is a system I use for that, which I also talk about in the book where I talk about leads whisper, how my lead gen gets as high as 84%, which is unthinkable. And I have employed it in multiple niches for myself and very few people that I work with on the outside. Run us through that system. Yeah. Sometimes 72%, 84% conversion rates on lead generation. Unheard of. Unheard of anyway. How do you set that up? It's a framework. It's a framework. I recently discovered that it's similar to what, um, I'm sure you know Trunk Fan, right? Trunk Fan on Twitter. No? Okay, Trunk Fan is some <laughs> very hilarious um, researcher. He works with the hustle, Sampar Agro. He came up with um, a similar research work that I have been doing this for years, but when he brought the res- he posted a research, and this is exactly what I have been doing that got so powerful results. It's something politicians use. It's something when um, people try to, you know, Jeff Bezos was invited to Congress because of his, um, there were people were attacking him for monopoly and things like that. There was a speech he gave. That same speech followed that same framework. When Obama was trying to get um, become president, he followed the same framework. Practically everyone who uses it wins. And that's what I've been using subconsciously, just by instinct myself. And when I saw his framework, I was like, this is what I've been doing. No wonder I've been getting this kind of crazy conversions with lead generation. And can you explain that framework? I will explain it from the way Trump did it. When I, okay, I'll tell you a short story, if, if you don't mind, before, before that. When I, I told you I quit my job and, you know, I was starting from scratch. It's not like my business was going anywhere. I was starting from scratch and a lot of business ideas where people are coming and there's this thing in my country. A lot of people, they like to find a lot of broke people selling premium real estate. And these guys, if you see them in three years time, they're still broke because they're trying to sell premium real estate because they believe that if they sell just one, they're going to make so much money and they're going to be so rich and never have to work again. And they don't think of the daily expenses of making money consistently on a daily basis. So I got into one of those things at a point and I was having meetings and meetings and trying to sell this thing and I believe I'll make a ton of money, I'll, you know, give my wife and my family a dream life. Then I stopped and I came back to this book I had written in 2009. I call it Zero Capital, How to Start Absolutely Any Business on Net Without Capital. And it's something I follow. I don't use capital to start businesses. So... I got that book out there and I started promoting it as a lead magnet. And people joined my list and it, my list was really blowing up. I was getting 50, 60%, 70% conversions on it. The framework I used there, which is the framework all these other guys use, is basically, first of all, you have to explore your vulnerability. A lot of people come out like, I'm the expert, I'm the King Kong, I'm this. And it's a lead magnet who just a complete, utter breakfast, just bragging, Excuse my French, I got a big, <laughs> you know, that's what a lot of guys do. And it pushes people off. It creates distrust because no one trusts the, no one trusts the rich guy. No one trusts the guy. Everybody believes that rich people are evil. So you don't want to come at anybody like that. Like, I'm um, all oh, this, no. I wish I could tell you a, person, a very personal story here. Like, this thing has also helped me when I moved to America and tried to have my interview for my asylum. The same thing happened. You don't come as a pro. You come as a human being, someone they can see, smell, and touch, and who has experiences that the common man has. So the framework is basically what I call the story of me 
the story of us and the story of the future. In other words, you begin with your own humble, like, as in your darkest moments, the epiphany that came from the darkest moment, then link it to the general problem that your audience is facing. You know, like I talk about in my book, Zero Capital, I was struggling to get money to start my business. I had people who were relatives, but never helped me, you know, and I felt bitter towards them. I hated them. I wished them evil in my mind, in my pain. But the same person, I came to him later. I said, look, don't give me money. I said, I have this business. You bring money, invest in it, give me whatever you want. And they invested in it. I we made money. You know, people were able to connect to it. And because they were able to connect to it, they were, I mean, I was able to sell them something at the end of that lead magnet. So the conversion was not just great. It was a great tool for, you know, getting them in a, in a buyer mindset. That's it. Your vulnerability is important. The dark moments, you need to be able to talk. There is no past that is, you can't talk about. As someone said, if you can't hide your skeletons, make them dance. So let's say we hire you. How does that work? I've really been going through the site and it's chock full of value in angles and opportunities. I see at least four different funnels there. I discovered that it's not just Twitter, there's also OnlyFans. That's a big market, you know? So it needs to reach out to each of these ones individually, not to boil them up. It's just like having the soda industry, but Coca-Cola, Pepsi, all of them, you know? You don't just make one killer drink. No, you want to have as many. People want to have options, give it to them. So we want to get a list for OnlyFans people. I see a lot of money coming in from there. The Instagram, the Twitch shots, and all that. When the marketing campaigns are coming from that angle, you know, it's um, important. But the idea is to create a funnel for each of these angles. Especially, I like that OnlyFans, which I don't like OnlyFans, but I mean, if people want to pay for it, I mean, make us rich, mm -hmm. I don't care. So I would create that. And um, if we did um, Tweet and Grow Rich, what about Strip and Grow Rich? <laughs> 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 so how, you know, we hire you. How do we pay you? For what do we pay you? Yeah, um, the emails is one thing, right? The emails is one thing, and what I want to do for emails, for example, for the emails, for example, I would want to create a drip, and then I love hype theory personally. I don't mind writing daily, you know, apart from creating a drip sequence for the emails, I want to do that. So typically when I handle emails, and also because I'm going to be involved in all the other aspects, all the other aspects of the funnel, you know, the lead generation. And we might even create a sales page, a unique sales page for it, not just the landing page. That one is different. I will charge different for, if I'm going to create a sales page, I will charge different for it. And for lead generation, I will charge different for it. If I'm going to run this, I would, for everything, right? Let me just give it a round figure for everything. It's good. And I'll take the business to a Is that like in what time span? If you're hiring me, it's going to be monthly. And how soon? How soon? I wouldn't want to say how soon because what if I hit it faster or slower? But the point is, um, I believe that I can take it there in as long as we're 
Now, this is how it's going to work, how I prefer that it works. The lead generation must be continual. Because once we start, once, once I start mailing for anybody, you're going to lose subscribers. All the indifferent people, all the people who just want to be there and non-action takers, you're going to lose them. And it's important that you don't have squatters. I mean, you're paying for everybody on your subscriber list, right? So want to get out all the squatters. We call them squatters back in my country who just live in um, buildings. Yeah. Want to get them out. So the list has to be growing. That means we need to have funnels for this that's running to generate this list and get this list up and increasing. So as long as the lead generation is working, you can absolutely get it to in. It could be 90 days, could be six months. I think we can do that in six months. Absolutely. Okay. And how, how would you set up the lead gen? How, how would you get in more email subscribers? Yeah, email subscribers... Like I said, that form, um, thing, I, um, the name I gave you, the title I gave you, could be used for... There's a thread you dropped some weeks back. I don't um, remember when exactly. That was a thread you dropped that really broke down creating your Twitter followership. That was like about six weeks, six weeks ago. Compiled a thread. A lead generation, a lead magnet doesn't have to be, to be long. That report is so actionable that you can put it into an ebook and run ads to it from every traffic source. TikTok, Facebook, we run ads to it. It's so important. Let me explain. I got nuked. My Facebook account got nuked. I lost a ton of money, a painful amount of money last year. And it really got to me. It really hurt me so bad. You know, I had to rebuild from scratch. There are a lot of people, there are a lot of people who hate Facebook or use Facebook. But if you give them something like an organic tool and software, automated organic marketing tool like Hard Fury, it's important. Just the simple hate, you know, just like people hated Trump for whatever reason. And then they went to vote in uh, this current president who, well, everybody's regretting right now. Hate is a powerful tool. And if we can just capitalize on the hate people have for Facebook, and then this is a tool that helps me achieve every other thing without being flagged and suspended and, you know, losing all ad accounts, all pixels, the pain of that. I mean, the lead gen is going to be serious. It's going to be, it's easier to market using, to market hype for it than ever before, especially with the, it's so sensitive right now on Facebook. I've lost this year, I've lost six ad accounts. Cool. So uh, let's continue this part of the talk uh, offline. Let's, finish on with giving just i don't know it's like one or two email marketing ideas people can you know go and how how would if somebody is listening who has their own list how could they improve their campaign today how would i improve my campaign today i would i'm going to be very serious i would probably read the news this is a book i wrote money whisperer there's a chapter in it i call it the sweet poison Chapter 22, the sweet poison that will get people mindlessly throwing money at you. But it will keep you despondent if you consume it. And it's a life hack. It's basically that sweet poison is news. How can people use the news to sell things? Yeah, first of all, you don't make sure you don't consume it. And I mean, you're not obsessed about news because news is when you're reading the news, when you're watching CNN, for example, 
bad news, bad news, bad news, ad. Bad news, bad news, bad news, ad. Bad news, bad news, bad news, controversy, conspiracy, ad. Something to annoy you and depress you, then they sell a depression pill to you. That's why they're left. They're not there to inform you or give you news. It's selling. In the same way, what's the thing that's driving people hysterical on the internet today? What's the topic that's driving people hysterical? Of course, I'm not going to talk about the vaccine, for example. That's too sensitive for a lot of people. But something else that's driving people crazy? I think Megan just had a baby. I mean, I would send an email, Megan had a baby. That's a powerful headline. You know, like Mary had a baby for Christmas. Megan had a baby. Or I would just take on something like that. People want to look for something to upset them, something to worry and obsess about. People keep looking for it every day. That's a saying I got from Dan Kennedy that's powered my life a lot. And it goes like this. It says, every man is walking around with their umbilical cords in their hands looking for where to plug it. And that is every man. The people are going to connect with you when you are consistent in what you believe, not just what you're selling. People don't buy your product, they buy you. So if you have a persona that you are consistent with, even if you're nasty, annoying, like Trump, Trump has a court following. I don't hate him. He's a businessman. I respect him, you know, but he has a cult following. And there are people, Lil Nas X, you put in blood and sneakers, has a following. I don't know this other lady that sang the WAP, wet as something. She has a following. For all that nonsense, she has a following because the people with the umbilical cords in their hands are plugging into her and they will buy. Once people are plugged into you, they will buy anything that you bring up. They'll buy, there's a lady who's selling her bath water and she made a quarter of a million dollars selling her bath water. People are connected, crazy people. I don't care, right? Is it making money? That's why we're in business, to make money, not to make fans or to be friends. I don't care. You want to buy what I'm selling? Buy it. So it's essentially the news gives you a ton of material to talk about where you must be clear in your position about it. Be clear and unwavering and bold, like loud, be the fat dick on the table yeah, about it. And then people are going to connect with you. When they connect with you, they will buy anything you sell, even if they don't need it. 75% of the things we have in the home today, we don't, we don't, we'll never use. 75% of the purchases into a home, we'll never use. People buy for fun because buying is an addiction. Cool, man. How was you? This was a lot of fun, man. Where can people find you? I'm on Twitter, um, the Hunko. My Twitter handle is the H-U-N-K-U. I have to check my the H-U-N-K-U. Actually, I like to be seen as, I like to be seen, known as the uncle um, you never had, the uncle people never had. I sell them things, give them opportunities. I wish I had an uncle like me when I was younger, you know. So the Hunko, H-U-N-K-U. Um, yeah, and... Um, I also started, uh, based on my experience in relationships, I also started a platform. I call it demandsociety.org. It's not the alpha thing or anything. It's just for Christian men who, you know, want to understand relationships because we get it the worst as Christian men. We can't play around 
and we can't be violent, but we need a system for making it a surviving the relationship whirlpool. So at the Man Society ORG, I my book is coming out soon. But that's where you can find me. Follow me on Twitter. You every other thing will follow me. <laughs> Thank you, Yannick. It's it's been a pleasure. I didn't imagine you. I mean, I just we had a phone call and you said let's 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 do a podcast. Thank you so much for this. I appreciate it. <laughs> that's how it goes. Thanks, man. That's a wrap on this week's episode. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss our next episode. If you enjoyed this one, please leave an iTunes review and give us a shout out on Twitter. See you again next week. Thank you.